Brother Wesley Jackson is Brother Wesley Jackson is without a doubt one of the most powerful apostolic preachers that we have ever had in the Northwest. And he has an incredible anointing to handle and deliver the Word of God. But my first introduction to Brother Jackson, he was not only a phenomenal apostolic preacher, but he moved in the supernatural. His very first visit to Cornerstone many years ago, I was amazed when this man stepped at the pulpit and began to preach that the supernatural working of God began to work and minister and break chains and open doors and open. Come on, somebody. Brother Jackson's ministry has been critical to the advancement of Cornerstone Pentecostal Church. And so without any further delay, if you'd stand with me and put your hands together for the man of God, Brother Wesley Jackson. Praise the Lord, everybody. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to say how honored I am to stand before you wonderful people today and have this opportunity to minister to God's people. God's people are the best people. That's right. They're not without faults. They're not without flaws. They're not above misunderstandings. Certainly not without trouble. But they are still the best people on the face of this earth. And I love God's people. I love you today. I, uh, I give double honor to Bishop and Sister Mayo today. Two wonderful, godly, Christian, dynamic leaders. That's in order. Thank you, Bishop and Sister Mayo. They do everything with a spirit of excellence. And I believe that's how it should be because when we do things in the kingdom of God, we are not representing us. We are representing him. And he is a God of excellence. And, uh, this church mirrors your leadership. And today I honor every usher, every greeter, every server, every kitchen worker, every parking lot attendant, every singer, musician. It takes a great team to make this happen. And Cornerstone, you're exemplifying what a great team looks like. And we honor you today. We honor you today. 
every minister of the gospel, every saint of God, I honor you. To my fellow laborers who have uh, ministered um, before me today, thank you for not coming and sermonizing, but bringing to us much needed words from God. I have been blessed. And last night was so needed uh, in my life. Thank you, Brother Marks. Thank you. We are indebted. And, uh, I, I, I was telling God, I said, I know you're talking to me. I said, I want one of them baskets. And then he tried to take away my basket. Uh-uh. You may give up your blessing. I'm not giving up my blessing. Because God's big enough to bless me and you. You don't have to give up what God's given you so that somebody else can get what they need from God. Hey, God's big enough to bless me and my enemies. That's why I don't have to fight with my enemies. God blessing them don't keep God from blessing me. my beautiful family who is listening today uh, about five and a half months ago <laughs> we found out as one of my children put it that we were going from the Jackson 5 to the Jackson tribe and uh, <laughs> we, we thought we thought we were just getting a fourth edition and uh then, uh, due to some very unfortunate circumstances, uh, five weeks ago on a Sunday night after service, uh, we found my brother uh, in his house, uh, and he had went on into eternity and left behind four children. And so uh, I was thankful that I was in a position, and my wife was in a position, and my children were willing um, we, we we don't now just have a fourth on the way. We have an eighth on the way. <laughs> so y'all y'all pray for us. Uh, and and it was it was dealing with what led up to that to that which really sadly I knew was inevitable several weeks ago. Um, that, that, that God began to deal with me and, and, and for many weeks um, I, I just talked out of my heart and out of the word of God to our local assembly who I love so very much who have so stuck with us and went above and beyond the call of duty especially these last several weeks and in that God began to really deal with me and then through that Situation and then leading up till today, uh, I know God has talked to me, and I want to talk to you concerning what He's talked to me about. And uh, I'm not here uh, to impress you. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not an impressive preacher. Come tonight for that, for there is one coming whose shoes we are not worthy to unlatch. And uh, 
mathematician, wordsmith. I mean, he can just do it all, Brother Walker. And uh, I'm excited about tonight. Um, but today, um, I don't know how to be anybody but me. And so that's... Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you to turn with me in the Word of God. I want to read two verses of Scripture. The first found in John chapter number 20, verse number 21. And then the second found in the book of Ephesians. John chapter number 20, verse number 21. When you have it, say amen. Then said Jesus unto them, everybody say again. If Jesus says something just once, it is of great importance. But when Jesus deems something weighty enough to say it again, it's important that we get the message. It's important to understand that when Jesus would say this the first time, it was in John chapter number 17. He is in the garden and he is praying and talking to his disciples and it is just before his betrayal. And then now he says it again in the last conversation he would have with his disciples before he would ascend. And he said, peace be unto you. See, they were very apprehensive and very nervous. Here, Jesus, three and a half years prior, there or about, had come into their life and began to promise very dynamic very powerful things and now all of a sudden the one that has been sent into the world sent to them is seemingly being taken up out of the world and in their minds the promises the progress the power is is going with him and Jesus looks at him and he says don't be troubled peace be unto you because this thing is not stopping It's just transitioning. For as the Father hath sent me in that same manner, even so send I you. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3, verse number 20. Now unto him, everybody say, now unto him. Not unto them, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Not exceeding and abundantly. He exceeds abundance. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think according to the power. According to the power, according to the power that doesn't have to come over you, but it is already working in you. We, we as Pentecostals, we, we don't struggle very much. Many of us, anyways, do not struggle with the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. We, we have the revelation, at least most somewhat, of, of 
God manifest in the flesh. Or according to John 1 and 1, John 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, was God. Then verse 14, the Word was made flesh. We, we understand 1 Timothy 3, 6, God manifest in the flesh. Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus Christ, not a Jehovah Junior, but the express image or the invisible made visible God. We don't struggle with that. And so that's not what I've, I've come to preach about today. We have the mighty God in Christ. But to me, just as important is understanding who Jesus is and the mighty God in Christ is understanding who we are and the mighty God in us. And today I don't want to preach to you about the mighty God in Christ. I want to preach to you about the mighty God in us. Because through us, God has chosen to bring that kingdom, his kingdom, to earth. Would you lift your hands and one more time, let's ask God to help us and anoint us, bless us, use us today, God. Move me out of the way. Move me out of the way. Hide me behind the cross. Your will be done in this service here this morning. Why don't you give the king another hand clap of praise and thanksgiving. Come on, why don't you lift your voice? Jesus is in this house. Miracles are getting ready to happen here this morning. Deliverance is getting ready to take place. Windows of heaven are getting ready to open. God bless you. You may be seated in the rich, wonderful presence of our great God. I will readily confess to you today that uh, in, in my limited ability to understand things and then um, even more in trying to articulate what little I understand I have not mastered or exhausted what I feel that God has certainly been dealing with me about and, and dealing through me with our church about and, and really something I feel that God wants to deal with his church at large concerning. I, 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 don't, I don't have all the answers. His ways, um, I'm, I'm still willing to acknowledge his ways are above my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so and and so um I, I I'm I'm willing, even though when I don't understand in totality what God is telling me and what his word declares, because I have such faith in him and knowing that he is not a man, he cannot lie, that even when he says something that I can do and, and, and when he describes who I am even though I have not the ability to completely comprehend it and understand it I still take him at nevertheless according uh, to thy word and, and, and to be honest with you and I know a lot of others here in this room like me today I would rather be like us not claiming to have it all figured out than to be like others that they claim they have all the answer and they are the authority 
and, and how they says it is how it is. Let me remind you today that every one of us, no matter how good of a grasp we have on Scripture, no matter how great of a revelation we have concerning who God is and, and God manifest through Jesus Christ and, and all that is in and connected to the Word of God, no matter how great of a grasp we get, no matter how much we study and learn and digest and walk in, uh, we are still seeing through a glass darkly. And in the state that we're in today, we have not the ability uh, to figure it all out. And that's why we have to keep coming to church. Uh, and that's why we have to keep coming to meetings like this. And that's why you have to stay under a man of God and have a pastor in your life that gets up week in and week out and rightly divides the words of truth. If there has ever been a day, if there has ever been a time that the people of God need to recognize who we are, what we are, what we have been empowered and called and commissioned and then sent to do, it is in the day and hour that we are living in. I said this several weeks ago in our assembly, and then I repeated it at my brother's life celebration service, that there are things happening in our world, and, and there are epidemics and pandemics that, that are affecting all of us, and they're not, they're not treatable with a vaccine or staying six foot apart or covering up our faces. It, it's not treatable. It's not fixable with, with things of that nature. I, I feel safe in saying that there is not one single family under the sound of my voice today that you are not being affected by somebody in your family with an addiction that they cannot shake. Whether, whether, it, be, whether it be an addiction to something they have to get illegally or just as equal of an addiction, something that they're able to get through the pharmaceutical rep or the nurse that will write the prescription or the psychologist or psychiatrist that wants to numb their emotions. And, and the world is at their wits' ends. They, they, they don't know what to do. Uh, I, I, I was dealing... And, and I want to be careful today, um, but, but I, was, I was dealing um, a few weeks before what, what ultimately happened. Um, we, I had rushed to the emergency room um, to, to meet my sister who was there with my brother. And, and I remember walking in, and I was angry, Brother Bass. And, 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 and of course, in, in, in Louisiana, it's different than living out here. Um, it, it just... It is what it is. We have the best politicians money can buy. And when, 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 you, when, when, when you can control enough votes, you, you, you get a little bit of power. And so they, they know who we are. And I remember walking into that, that hospital, and I was angry. I was angry. I was angry at my brother. I was angry uh, at, at who was supplying my brother. And, and there was an officer standing there. And I just was angry at him too. And I said, I don't get it. I said, here, this is happening 
daily in our community. And you're sitting out there on Highway 90 writing tickets to people doing 66 and a 65. Do something about this. Now, I don't recommend you talk to your officers like that, but you live where we live. They, yes, sir. But I can tell you who didn't say yes, sir. The spirit in me didn't say yes, sir, because immediately when those words, Bishop, left my mouth, I felt the Holy Ghost greatly convict me. And I felt God really begin to deal with me and speak to me that it's not that they don't want to do anything. It's that, that in every way they have tried, they have failed. They've tried social reforming, and that's failed. They, they, they've tried reforming the judicial system, and that's failed. They've tried locking them up longer, and that hadn't helped. They've started letting them go without locking them up at all, and that hasn't helped. They've tried medicating them, and that doesn't help. They've tried counseling them, and that hasn't helped. They've tried educating and then went on to indoctrinating them, and all it's done is make it worse. And I felt God speak to me and say, quit waiting on them to do something and get your people and you go do something because the judicial system can't help them. The political system can't help them. The social justice system can't help them. But you've got what they need. You've got the answer. There is a God in you. There is a power on the inside of you that it demands change. See, see, because, because, and, and I'm, I'm just talking to you, and I'm, I'm going to try not to be too long today, but this, this is just in me and on me. In, in, in Pentecost, we, we've got to get the revelation of the mighty God in us because we are allowing what we have to be dumbed down, and we are settling for things uh, that we're not supposed to have to be imprisoned by. The kingdom of God was not meant to be a kingdom of people who live in poverty and rob Peter to pay Paul and barely get by. I know, I know, I know. I've heard the same people misuse and misquote and, and twist the same text that you have. But, but, but we, we're of the seed of Abraham. And Abraham wasn't just rich, he was very rich. And he wasn't just blessed, but he was so blessed that if you blessed him, you got blessed. And, and, and you need to understand. See, it's not understanding who we are that causes these misconceptions and, and erroneous ideologies. And I, 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 I'm going to try to hurry through this today. But, but, but money, money does not change people. Money reveals people. See, see, when you first come to church on the van and you didn't even have your own car and, and you wasn't two weeks in the church and pastor was helping you pay your rent and keep your lights on uh, and the only time you ever got to get out of the house was when you come to church and you had made a couple of friends and they would take you out to eat after service and that's the only time that you got to go out and eat. It wasn't hard for you to come to church. Uh, you were not faithful because you was faithful. You was faithful because you didn't have any 
any other options. Uh, but as God began to bless you, uh, money didn't either make you faithful or unfaithful. It just revealed whether or not you were faithful or unfaithful. Because when you got enough money, you could drive a Tesla instead of ride the church van uh, and you kept coming to church. Uh, you didn't keep coming to church because you got blessed. You just got something that made you faithful. Uh, or you got blessed and you miss every weekend because you have to go camping at the lake and the house of God is no longer important in your life. Uh, it's not because you got money. Uh, it's because you found a way to exemplify who you are. And that, that, that's why it, it bothered me. It bothered me. I, I went to looking at it one day because I, I would hear people talk about, well, some people just can't handle blessings. And then they would use things like, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to what? You, you got it. It's not a trick question. Enter. And I looked at that one day. And I said, he's not talking to saints trying to stay saved. Because if you back up just a little bit, in the same chapter, he's talking to a young man we call the rich young ruler. And he gets to the end of talking to that rich young ruler and he says, there's just one thing you lack. You need to go sell everything that you have and you need to go give it away. And the rich young ruler, a sinner trying to get saved. See, this is a kingdom of blessings. If you get in this kingdom and you don't start being blessed, something's wrong with you. And Jesus wills to them disciples and he says it's harder for a rich man to enter. Just like he had told Nicodemus in John 3, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot. Jesus was not saying there was something wrong with his people having money. What he was saying is he would later give it on this wise. He said, I, I had a big house uh, and I was throwing a big party uh, and I started out inviting all the rich people and all the affluent people, uh, but they didn't recognize uh, that what I had in my house uh, was worth giving up what they had in their house uh, and so that my house would be full. Uh, I said, you just go out to the highways uh, and the byways uh, and you go to the lame, and you go to the maim, and you go to the hall, and you get them in. I, I've come to tell you uh, that the blessings of God uh, is not a curse uh, that's clothed uh, in deceit. Uh, but when you've got this Holy Ghost, uh, and you get a revelation of who you are, uh, every step you take ought to be blessed. Uh, every business deal you make ought to be blessed. Uh, Blessings don't make you, they reveal you. Not knowing who we are, we've allowed blessings to be dumbed down. We've allowed deliverance to be dumbed down. We, 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 we have so dumbed down to deliverance that, that we think trading heroin for a morphine patch 
or crystal meth. Well, they got the Holy Ghost, so now all they have to do is go down to the methadone clinic every day. Or God delivered them from alcohol, but now they have antidepressants, but, but they're delivered. They're not on alcohol. Let me tell you, when you get delivered, you don't need no substitute. When you get delivered, the Holy Ghost don't need any help in your life. It is the help in your life. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't have a power that's crippled that needs crutches. You have the power to become. You have the power to talk right and to think right and to act right and to sleep right. See, see, Jesus, everything he was doing, I, I love the way you presented it last night, Brother Marks. Everything he was doing was not only pointing to him, but who he was getting ready to empower them to become. Brother Caleb Arsenault, one of our assistants, he's here today. Great young man. I wish I could take credit for this, but he's the one who said it on the way home. He said, I wonder after he fed the 5,000 plus women and children with a couple of fish and a few loaves by blessing it and breaking it. He said, I wonder what would have happened if the disciples would have recognized that just like he has been sent and empowered... He's now sending and empowering us. And they would have just held it up. And they would have begun. See, see, before you think I'm twisting scripture, you need, you need to go back and study it. He said, he said, let me tell you why I've came. I've came to save the world. Not in their sin, but from their sin. And then after saving them, I've come to disciple them and to bless them and to grow them and to establish my kingdom, which if you get over into Revelation, which happens to not be the revelation of the end of time, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. You need to, you need to quit fussing so much about about the end of time and you need to start studying and learning and getting the revelation of Jesus Christ so you can get the revelation of you. He said, he said, I'm, I'm not staying here. He said, it's because there's something greater for you. And as long as I'm here, you can't have the greater. But the same spirit that is making me who I am. The Father is going to send it back in my name. And just like he sent me into the world, so am I going to now send you into the world. I, I don't have to be here for the world to keep seeing me. I, I'm going to change you. I, I'm going to empower you. I, I'm going to work through you. I, 
And just like the world uh, sees God through me, uh, the world uh, is going to see God through you. Uh, but you've got to get the revelation uh, and the understanding uh, of who you are. There's, there's things that used to not really add up. I, I would read them. I would even preach about them and get people excited concerning them. But there was things that just, they didn't really add up until I really began to, in prayer, and because of situations, dig this out and study this out. But, but I would get up and preach things like, what Jesus would say in John 14 and 12, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And, and I would be like, well, how? I mean, I'm glad they ran tonight and they, they stopped me before I had to get to the hour mark. I only had to preach 20 minutes and I'm, I like that. God bless them. And I know that it can be because it's in your word. But how can we do the works of Christ and do greater works than Christ? And then when I begin to see what he was putting in his disciples and connecting it to things that would happen after he was gone. Just like Jesus walked in one day uh, and there was a man and he was crippled and he had been crippled that way for a really long time and Jesus looks at him uh, and he says, thy sins be forgiven and everybody gets in a little uproar and Jesus says, well, is it easier for me to say thy sins be forgiven? Uh, Arise, take up your bed and walk and straightway, you know the story, the miracle happens uh, and 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 it's, it's, it's one thing that talk about what Jesus said can happen uh, but then it starts connecting up and the, the, the dots start coming together when you get into Acts chapter number 3 uh, and they walk by a man uh, that's been laying by a gate uh, that's been crippled for a long time and they've walked by him before with no revelation uh, saying I can't help him uh, because what's in my pockets uh, isn't sufficient for his need. Uh, but one day they get the revelation of who they are uh, and they walk by that same man uh, and maybe Brother Marks they remembered the baskets uh, and they said look uh, in silver and gold uh, I don't have enough to help you uh, but I've seen Jesus do this uh, and Jesus said uh, if I can do it, you're going to be able to do it. Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. I've come to preach to you. You are not just a answer. You are the only answer. And just like Christ was sent, you have been sent. I mean, I mean, it's things like you're going to lay hands on the sick and they. You're going to tread on serpents and they shall not harm you. You're, in the kingdom, you, you're, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to face some things that's, that's poisonous and deadly. But it's not going to hurt you. And I don't know why, but I feel... I feel led. You can be seated just to stop and very quickly tell 
tell a, a, a man of God that's at your wit's end with a poisonous situation in your church and you're getting ready to cut it out and you're getting ready to cut it off, let me remind you that all the way back with the prophet, they got a pot, Brother Walker, and it become poisonous. And they didn't fix the poison uh, by taking things out. The prophet fixed the poison uh, by putting something else in. You need to ignore those goats. And you just need to go teach another Bible study. Because they've got a lot of influence. Because you only have 60 in your church. Uh, but I've learned from experience. They have less influence when you get 100. Uh, and then they have a lot less influence when you get 150. Uh, and then there comes a time uh, they can pitch a fit. And nobody even notices they pitch a fit. You need to recognize uh, you haven't been sent uh, to deal with the goats. Uh, you've been sent to gather in the sheep. this out and recognize that all this is available it, it caused me to start taking inventory because again I told you even when I don't understand God I believe God and trust God and so brother Galindo if something's not happening it's not on God's part it's on my part now, now it, it, it's not to any glory of of James Wesley. But the reason I don't have trouble preaching this to you today is because there's a lot happened in the last little over a month and a half since I've been preaching this at our church. Like we've baptized, I think now, 47 people in the name of Jesus Christ in the last 60 days. Tuesday night, we had a backslider, a backslider bring four people with them. And she got the Holy Ghost again. And all four of the people she brought got the Holy Ghost again. We baptized the man in Jesus' name. Uh, she texted me just yesterday. She said, Pastor, we need to talk to you when we get home. We need to get married. We want to do things right. You know when it shifted? When I made up my mind, we're going to add two. And we'll let God, in the time of harvest, take the fan in his hand. Because he's able to sift it without damaging innocent wheat. I, I'm not going to brag on me, but I'm going to brag on Jesus. Since all this, we, 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 we bought a $2 million piece of property, nine, a little over nine acres, over 72,000 square feet of buildings, two big school buildings, uh, a, a huge brick gymnasium that, that was, uh, it was a high school. It was Catholic high in our community, St. Joseph's. Uh, it's got locker rooms and showers and bleachers. And it, it is unbelievable. But they couldn't afford to keep it. And, and, and nobody was wanting to go to it because of trouble and turmoil. And, and, and so I, I just decided if I'm sent like he's sent, we're just going to operate in faith like he operates in faith. And so I offered him $160,000 on a building that was worth over $2 million. And they said, let us get the paperwork drawn up. When can you bring us the check? See, 
You need to get the revelation of who you are. Don't let somebody convince you uh, that you've got to split up and divide up because property costs too much where you live. Uh, let me tell you, God has the cattle of a thousand hills. Uh, it doesn't matter what it costs to build in your community. Uh, God's got enough pennies. Uh, God's got enough nickels. Uh, God's got enough dimes. Uh, God's got enough dollars. Uh, God's got enough blessings. Uh, it doesn't matter what property costs you. Uh, it doesn't matter what inflation goes to. None of that matters when you've got God. You, you, you can sit down. I'm just talking to you. And I'm tired of people trying to convince us it can't happen when the Muslims are doing it without God and the Baptists are doing it. The Baptists, the, 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 the Lutheran, they, they're, they're kind of dying out, but the Mormons... They don't care how much property costs. They're not going around saying, you know what? We've got to start little house groups. We can't afford the electric no more. And they're not even the people of God. Quit buying the lie. It doesn't ever get too expensive that God can't afford to further his work and further his kingdom. Let me tell you, when God gets ready for you to build, uh, he can start sending you timbers from Lebanon. Uh, he can start sending you silver from your adversaries. Uh, he can start sending you gold from people that opposed you. Uh, but more than that, he can start blessing young men uh, and young ladies uh, and business owners uh, in your assembly. You need to recognize uh, there's a mighty God in us. If you want to preach, it's too expensive to do the work of God in 2022. Preach it somewhere else, but don't come preaching in Generat. Because I felt like God wanted us to have that property, and I felt like He'd make it away if they wanted four million instead of two million. Because if God gets ready for you to have something, See, when we're, not, when we're not seeing these things come to pass, it's not a God problem, it's a me problem. And I, was, I, was, I wasn't praying for y'all, I was praying for me and our, our local assembly. And, and I, felt, I felt God begin to give me some things, Bishop, why we don't have the revelation of who we are and why we're not seeing these things happen. And the first thing is I felt the Lord speak to me is you... You have a lot of people that know about me and they talk a lot about me and some of them even got WWJD on their bumper. They know a lot about me but they don't know me and until they know who I am they will never know who they are. For Jesus would come to Caesarea Philippi and he would say in Matthew 16, whom do men say that I am? And, and the people who just knew about him but didn't know him, they started saying things like, well, we do this because that's, that's what pastor says. This is what they say. Well, 
I, I really don't understand why we don't have that. All I know is that since I've been a toddler, that's, that's, I've heard pastor get red in the face. and Well, I don't, I don't really know why we pay our tithe. I don't really know why we give offering. We, we just do it because the preacher says we have to do it. That's how 11 of them answered. Uh, they knew what people were saying about him, uh, but they didn't know him. Uh, and all of a sudden, he narrows it down. And he says, I'm not worried about who they say I am. I want to know who knows me. Uh, and Peter stands up, and he says, Thou art the Christ, uh, the Son of the living God. Uh, and Jesus speaks back to him. Uh, and he says, Peter, uh, let me show you what I do for people who learn who I am. Uh, I show them who they are. Uh, and thou art Peter. Uh, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Uh, can I tell you, uh, if you're not seeing the miracles, uh, if you're not seeing the increase, uh, if you're not experiencing the blessings, uh, if you're walking as the tail and not the head, uh, maybe, uh, just maybe, uh, you need to come face to face with the realization uh, I know a lot about Jesus uh, and I know a lot about how to be Pentecostal uh, but I don't really know who Jesus is uh, and I'm going to take the time uh, to get to know him uh, so that through knowing him uh, I get a revelation of me see see we, we've, we've got an identity crisis, not just in our world, but in Pentecost. And it's because we have young ministers that hadn't figured it out that the word of God is not something I go to to get preaching points. It, it, it's not something I get around with my friends and discuss and try to figure out a way to present something where people say, ooh, I never heard it like that before. When you get revelations that nobody else has, you really are to keep them quiet. There's a reason nobody else. Just because you're 23 and preaching revival. Every once in a while, God will give me a little something, and I, I think, man, that's pretty good. Before I preach it, I call men like Brother Holmes. And I say, am I missing something here? Does this line up? I'm not good at math, so if numbers involved, no, I'm just kidding. Because let me tell you, God will never give you a revelation that can't be studied out line upon line. And precept upon precept. See, see, we've got too many people in Pentecost that they think the Bible is just a historical book about God. The Bible is not a historical book about God. The Bible is God expressing himself to man. The Bible is God expressing himself and showing you, this is what I like. 
This is what I don't like. So all the while you're trying to get a new cute little idea to present to people. Uh, you've got abominable things in your house. Uh, and you've got groves, Brother Prado, set up by the altar. And you've got things on your fingers and things in your ears. And you've got things on your Facebook. And you've got things in your heart because you're learning about God, uh, but you don't know God. Uh, let me tell you how you get to know God. Uh, it's not in cafes and coffee shops. Uh, it's not in sermonfinding.org, uh, but it's getting his word uh, and getting on your face uh, and talking to him uh, and letting him talk to you uh, and talking to him uh, and letting him talk back to you uh, and talking to him and letting him talk back to you uh, until you just don't know about Christ but Christ is formed in you and all of a sudden when you get Christ formed in you you start seeing things happen you, you, don't, you don't ever outgrow the need to talk to him and hear from him especially if you're going to talk to God's people on his behalf. I, I, I remind him often, I can't do anything without you. It's not just something cute I say in front of you. Uh, maybe I'm giving up my blessing and telling you this, but I just, this is how serious I am about it. I, I, I don't want to tell people what I know about God. I want to tell people from my experience in knowing God. And so you know what I did last night? I waited till all of you had went home. And I went and changed my clothes. And I had Brother Jared let me in these back doors. And I come and I slept on that floor right there where your feet are at, Brother Bertram. And I about froze half to death. It's cold in here at night. I didn't want nobody to know I was here, but if there was some choir robes wrinkled this morning, it was all I could find to stop my stammering lips that had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But you want to see things happen when you get up to minister? Know God. Because people can tell if you're preaching out of your head or if you're preaching something you've lived and you've got in your heart. And just like God's people can tell when a preacher's preaching from his head and not from his heart, saying to God, your coworker can tell. When you're telling them about God and your church from your head. But when you've got to know God and you're able to say things like, hey, we're, we're, we're. come here, girl. You have inspired me, you. Because we're winning people just like that. See, see, when you walk back into a workplace and, and the enemy thought he's permanently marked you and he's got a hold on you and he's got. He's got, he's got some sugar daddy that's always going to be able to influence you. And, 
but you come and you don't just learn about God, but you really get to know God. And all of a sudden you show back up and there was nothing you could do about the tattoo, but they see the change in your heart and you start telling them like, oh, your daughter ran away. Uh, you don't know where she's at today. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I was that daughter. Uh, I was that daughter. Uh, but let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Uh, let me tell you how he picked me up. Uh, let me tell you how he turned me around. Uh, let me tell you how he took. I know I still got the tattoo on my neck, but I don't have the track marks in my arm. I don't have the potted scars in my face. I don't have the yellowness in my eyes. I've come to tell you that the word still works. The spirit still works. But you got to get a revelation of who he is. You need to listen to me. This is the greatest hour for God's people. But we're helpless uh, and hopeless uh, in a helpless, hopeless world if we don't get the revelation of who we are. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Seated. I hope this is okay today. Satan, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. We don't need more programs. We need more relationship. We don't need light shows. We need some Holy Ghost believers that while they were praying, while they were down on their knees, uh, they said, God, uh, break this generational curse in my life. talking with Brother Urshan yesterday. You can be seated. And we were talking about Moses and Egypt. and He made a comment. He said, you, he said, God's people get in trouble when they try to lead out of conventional earthly things. They know they're called. They know they're anointed. Just as he is sent, they know they're sent. But because they really don't have relationship with who's called and sent them, they start killing Egyptians. Can I tell you, this ain't a kingdom of death. This is a kingdom of life. And see, David, this is, this is getting a little sidetracked, but oh well. I need a good decoy. Come just play this real softly. They'll think I'm stopping. I'm not, but that's what they'll, that's what they'll think. Thank God for anointed musicians. While we're talking about musicians, I might as well lick this little candy stick. For all of you holier than thou, two sanctified people to worship because of the beat and the music, you'd have been in trouble at Jericho. Somebody said, well, they get to play in that little... Da, 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 da. And they just go crazy. You better believe we do. Yeah. 
but we're not going crazy because of what they're playing. It just kind of stirs and signals something up in us. See, you got to walk silent for six days, uh, but then all of a sudden, he says, don't dance, and then you'll hear the music, uh, but when you hear the music, uh, start dancing, uh, and when you start doing that, what? See, let me tell you what music does. It'll stir up something on the inside of you. Uh, there's supposed to be playing softly. See, you made me miss my point. Y'all, y'all sit down. I told you he's just a decoy. I was telling you that the kingdom's a kingdom of life, not death for all you that want to be Davids. God bless you. But David was not a killer. He was a savior. He didn't go looking for a lion to kill. He said, I was tending sheep and the lion got one of my sheep. And I wasn't after killing a lion. I was after saving a sheep. And then there was a bear. I wasn't bear hunting. I wasn't looking for something to put on my wall. Uh, but I was looking to protect sheep. Uh, because the chief shepherd uh, has made me the under shepherd. Uh, and he's... He didn't kill Goliath because he wanted to be a giant killer. He killed Goliath because, because God's people needed a savior. I'm going to tell you why some of you get defeated by the lion instead of defeating the lion uh, is because you've got a killing mentality rather than a saving mentality. And maybe that's why your church is still at 30 people. Anyways, that, that's not on Brother Mayo, that's me. In Louisiana, that's what we call lanyap, just a little something extra. You, 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 you can know who Jesus is. You, 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 you can know not just about God, but know God. And you, you, you can still be paralyzed. Being paralyzed means that, that the member of the body can't respond properly to the command from the head because there's been something to interrupt now, if I was a doctor, I could put it in words none of y'all could understand. But since I'm just redneck, I'd made it simple for you. And I felt God speak to me. He said, they can't just know me. But before they can be the church in action, they have to be the church in obedience. Because it's not if you want the land, you'll have the land. But if you be willing, Isaiah, chapter 1, could you put it up there? I don't want them to think I'm giving them the James Wesley. I'll give them the King James. You, you, you can be willing all you want to be willing. But until you're obedient, it takes a willingness and obedience. You'll never get so anointed that you can just do your own thing and still be blessed. I believe it was in First, First John. I don't know if I gave him the scripture. I don't even know if I have it written down. But I think it was in 
Yeah, First John chapter number 2, verse number 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments. Oh, there it is. Is a, is a, and the truth. See, that's why you can't get anybody set free, because you shall know the truth and the See, you can be willing and you can know him, but not be in alignment and obedient to him. See, see, before you think I'm stretching it, put, put, put what Paul would write to the Corinthians up there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I think starting in verse number 3. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That, 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 that's why we need to study and we need to be able to, 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 to converse with people. And we don't need to sound like bumbling fools and idiots when we're talking to the people in this world. But let me remind you, intellectualism is not what sets people free. And just because you can quote pages of a Trinitarian commentary don't mean you can get up and preach a drug addict into deliverance. Next verse. For the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. See, see, you, 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 you think it's crazy. Some of you, when Bishop Mayo tries to take the pulpit and he just puts the mic down. See, that don't do much for people that's not in alignment and people that's walking in disobedience. But when you know him and you're walking in obedience, huh? you, you get to shake in your head, not because you're trying to stir people up. It's because you recognize there's something working in this house uh, that man can't do, uh, that prescription can't do, uh, that psychology can't do. Uh, that can't, It's the power uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and if I can just let it flow right now, uh, if I can just let it flow, uh, all that is is more decoys y'all be seated this ain't all in my notes but I don't have much notes anyways I, I can't hardly write and then I can't read what I write so But I do know a man named Jesus. And through him, I've learned who I am. Through him, I've learned uh, it don't matter what you do. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Just like you couldn't take his life, he had to give it up. You can't take mine unless he gives it up. And just like you might destroy it, uh, that same spirit that raised him up shall one day liken and quicken my mortal body uh, and raise me back up. Uh, I don't have another spirit. Uh, I don't have a different spirit. Uh, I have the same spirit. 
tell you, I put my scriptures back up there. Not to the tolerating of strongholds, the dancing around strongholds. And I'm, you can be seated. I'll share with you what I shared with our church Tuesday night, and, and I'm going to get back. Just leave it right there. But I'm going to tell some of you why you can't really get victory and win the battle behind closed doors is because somewhere you've let somebody convince you that the devil is like your, 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 your bully in your high school you went to. And he can pick on you and pick on you and pick on you and pick on you and pick on you. And finally you get enough courage to just slap the fire out of him real good. That's how we say it in South Louisiana. I don't know how they say it in the Northwest. Give them a beat down. And you do that to the bully and what happens? He leaves you alone. Some of you have deceived yourself into thinking the devil's just a bully. He ain't a bully. He's a destroyer. And you get so shocked and act like you're doing something wrong because you slap him and give victory on Sunday night and you wake up and he slaps you back real hard on Monday. Uh, you know what you got to do? Uh, don't tolerate it. Go to prayer meeting and slap him back. Push back the plate and slap him back. Come into the church and there ain't even nobody on the keys yet. But you just start slapping him back. You need to quit tolerating uh, and realize you can slap back. Hey, hey, I know he slaps back. The Sunday morning, before we found my brother, I got up and told our church, I said, the world can't do nothing about the epidemic of addiction in our community, but we can. And it ain't just we can, but we will. And that Sunday night, with his children coming home from church, hadn't seen him all day. There he is in his room with a needle hanging out of his arm. And I felt that enemy say, uh-huh, what you gonna do now? I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, enemy. I went back to that church. And I said, I never got to see my brother preach, but you should have left him alone. Because come hell or high water, I'll see his two boys stand in our pulpit one day. I slapped you and you slapped back, but greater is he that's in me uh, than he that's in this world. Uh, and because I know who he is, uh, and because I'm going to walk in obedience, uh, I can walk in dominion. And if you think you're going to get me to forget my basket, uh, if you think you're going to get me to have a... You sit down. I, I'm not up here grandstanding. You can be seated. I stepped to the pulpit that Tuesday night, Brother Mayo. And everybody was tiptoeing around on eggshells and everybody was wanting to have a pity party and I appreciate their sympathy. But I stepped to that pulpit, not as a grieving brother, uh, but as one that had been sent to a community. Uh, and I said, uh, if you think uh, we're gonna let this situation uh, hijack our revival uh, and keep us from pushing uh, and keep us pressing, uh, when we know who he is, uh, and we know who we are, uh, greater, greater, 
said, but this is how it's going to happen. Put the next verse up there. You got to cast down imaginations. Everything that exalts itself against God, the knowledge of God, you got to bring into captivity every thought to the what? You, you can't be empowered for action until you're walking in obedience. Sit down. I'm going to talk to you just another, you know, 40 minutes or so. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I really am. I really am only 30 minutes from here. Maybe if you played the organ a little bit with him playing the keys, that helps some. See, see, you, you, you don't think it matters how you dress. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does say it matters how you dress. And in Pentecost, we've let go of some things in some places and let women dress like men and now we're shocked that we've got men wanting to dress like women it's the same spirit the same spirit that makes a woman want to look like a man makes a man want to look like a woman and how are you going to get dominion and victory over transgenderism and homosexuality in your community when you all come in alignment and as a lady dress like God wants a lady to dress and as a man, dress like God wants a man to dress. And for all of you that's used not getting Hollywood out of your home is, well, all we watch and let our kids watch is Disney. What are you saying now? See, that whole gray-headed man wasn't trying to be a control freak, uh, but while you was down in the city just about business uh, and trying to raise babies, uh, he was up on the wall, and he could say, they're coming, uh, they're coming, uh, they're coming, uh, they're coming, uh, and we got to have the power, uh, and to have the power, uh, we can't defeat that which is abominable with something that's abominable in our home. If it's not, I'm almost through. <laughs> but let me. Well, I wish I had a shepherd staff. You can be seated. You, 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 you keep staying connected with all them backsliders if you want to. But let me tell you about backsliding and backsliders. You, you, you need to pray for them, but you don't need to pet them and pat them and. Because you're not helping them, they're poisoning you. Thank you. God, God, can I use you just a minute, Bishop? God calls Moses, and if there's ever been a Moses in the Northwest, God calls Moses and he says, there's a good land. There's a large land. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses says, how, how am I gonna do this? And God speaks to Moses and he, he just simply asks a question. He says, well, what 
what do you have in your hand? Now, to the westernized mind, that's nothing but a silly little stick. But to a shepherd, it's an extension of who he is. You know what you are to your pastor? The way he's going to get people out of Egypt and get people through a wilderness. And it's not something that's on the outside. Wait, 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 wait. Because you're not going to shout as much with this. He says, well, we need to learn something. First things first, Moses. I want you to disconnect with what's in your hand. And the moment that the shepherd become disconnected from the stick, the stick becomes something poisonous that was looking to strike anything uh, that got close. You keep on hanging out with them backsliders. I'm telling you what they are. They're coiled up and they're waiting to... Say, I'd like to go to dinner with you, but you need to get things back right with pastor. Because see, the power of staying when in obedience and alignment, pick it back up, Moses. Uh, Moses says, but wait, but wait, it's a, it's a, but he says, no, let me show you the power of obedience and alignment. And he picked it back up and it becomes something he can lean on again. Uh, it becomes... I don't have time to preach all of it, but if you don't think you're a snake when you disconnect, Moses gets down to Pharaoh's court and he disconnects again. And Pharaoh's men say, well, that ain't nothing. And they throw their down. And their sticks become a serpent. But they were inferior serpents. Because when somebody's had this, it's better that they had never known than to walk away. And all of a sudden, the one that was disconnected from Moses. Why did you give me a stick? That just. But see, but see, this is what happens when there is no disconnect. They get to the Red Sea, Brother Urshan. And Pharaoh's closing in. And water's before him. And, and Moses, because the people, they always start blaming the preacher when, well, what are we going to do? You got us in this building. And, I mean, you forgot you was running the aisles and biting the ceilings when he was talking about it. He says... Moses, we got to take this test again. What's in your hand? Oh, oh, this. Well, Moses, you stretch that without there being a disconnect. Because it ain't, it ain't the, the, the pain of the stretch. It's the power of the obedience and staying in alignment and connected. And when you get stretched and stay connected... It won't just bring deliverance to you. It'll destroy what's behind you. Moses turns around and they're coming. And he says, what are we going to do, God? And Moses says, again, what's in your hand? Just turn around and stretch it. They get out into the wilderness and there's no water. And they turn and they murmur. They complain. 
this is a whole other message, but it, they get out in the wilderness and they're murmuring and complaining. And God gets Moses to the side again. Moses going, what are we going to do? He said, Moses, I thought we settled this in Exodus 3. What's in your hand? Oh, oh, uh, this. Well, just stretch and connect again without disconnecting. And quit worrying about if he mishandles you or mishandles finances. Or You just stay connected because one day he smote the rock. He abused what was in his hand. It didn't keep them from going in. You can't have power unless you stay in alignment. And let me tell you, if your pastor says, no, it ain't time, you need to stay home, it's not because he's wanting to buy a nicer car. It's not because he's wanting to live in a bigger house. And it's not because he's wanting to pad his bank account. It's because he wants you to be empowered. Put the rest of that verse up there. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience but see when you know who he is and you get in alignment with what he wants all of a sudden you start getting revelation of who I am You know what I'm looking at today? I'm looking at the answer. The government bishop can't do nothing about the addiction epidemic. I wish I'd have given them the pictures. I had them send us. I didn't have time and you can stand, I'm through. Sister Michelle was, I think, fourth generation alcoholic. She sent me a picture drinking with her daddy at 15 years of age. Her daughter, Lindsay, come to just vacation Bible school. I don't know, eight, nine years old, seven, eight years old. And she was already Brother Bass dabbling going to be fifth generation alcoholic car wrecks couldn't fix them I had another picture she's got a neck brace on she had been driving home drunk and rolled a car but see addiction stronger than situation but somebody talked her into well, I'll just, do I have time to read one text message? Yes, sir. 
I love when preachers ask me that when they're preaching for me. Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> I hope I can pull it up. Sister Crystal. Today, I'm eight weeks sober. This was about, wait, wait, wait. This was like five years ago. She said, and I'm weeping. She said, because I'm sober because of, see, still just a few weeks into it, it was still that church. Sister Lindsay's in our media booth in her scheduled rotation. You'd never know that she was supposed to be fourth or fifth generation alcoholic. Most Sunday mornings, Brother Davis, if you walk in the front doors of our church, Sister Michelle has a, a greeter tag on and she's, she is shaking your hand. <laughs> And she ain't just shaking your hand. If you're a guest, she's telling you, you're getting ready to experience something like you ain't never experienced. It made such a difference that her daddy come to check it out. Alcoholic for over 60 years. <laughs> And God gave him the Holy Ghost. And until, until last year, Brother Williams, in his rotation, you'd see him with an usher coat and a bow tie. And he'd be greeting you as he came in. And when you marched to give, he'd be holding one of the offering baskets. You know why? Because when the world couldn't help him. And when AA told them, you're an alcoholic, you're always going to be an alcoholic. You just might can be a recovering alcoholic. They stepped into an atmosphere like here today. And somebody that knew who they were because they knew who he was said, let me tell you about a man from Galilee. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you about somebody who will give you a song that says I'm not a recovering alcoholic. I'm a used to be. But this is what I've this is what I've come really to tell you today. when you know who he is and then you get in alignment with who he is and what he wants then you have to do something and we've got really good at getting excited at meetings like this and going right back home and not doing anything
I read something. I don't even know who said it. I wrote it down in my Bible years and years ago. It said the day of fulfillment is not a day of welfare. It's a day of work. And once you know who he is and once you know who you are and once you're in alignment with all of that, you're not empowered just to receive. You're empowered to go and take. And you know what some of you need to do? You need to go home and get Bible studies. You, 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 you don't need to go home and ask the pastor to buy a van. God's blessed you enough. You need to go home and buy a van. And you need, why does the pastor have to buy everything? What? I'd really like to help our Sunday school ministry, but pastor won't get a van. I'm going to tell you what he won't do. He won't tell you that you can't go get a van and fill it up. And let me tell you what will happen. You may start out on being able to afford a van that burns more oil than gas, uh, has Maypop tires, and 180,000 miles on it. Uh, but you just get in action. Uh, you just get in action. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, God will start opening up windows of heaven. Uh, and he'll start... I've come to preach to the Northwest. Uh, you can't have revival. Uh, you were built to have revival. Uh, you're made to have revival. Now it's time to go have it. You, anybody want it today? Uh, you ought to throw your hands in the air right now. You ought to let the Holy Ghost deal with you right now. Come on, I know this is my style and this is a little different and we're closing, but you just take somebody by the hand and I want you to pray with them right now. There's not a revival coming, there's a revival here. You just gotta get in the flow of it. Matter of fact, if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you just get somebody to lay hands on you right now and you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Struggling home missionary, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. There's a mighty God in you. Season saint, don't give up, don't give up. experiencing it right now. There's people talking in tongues all over this building. If you've got an incurable disease, you need to turn to somebody right now and ask them, will you pray for me? Uh, because when we pray for people, uh, there's a power uh, for healing. It's not just words. God's wanting to pour out the Holy Ghost right now. God's wanting to work miracles up. If you know of somebody in this congregation uh, that's dealing with sickness, uh, I want you to find them and pray for them right now. Right now, right now. Come on, balcony, pray with somebody. Uh.
Jesus be healed in the name of Jesus be delivered in the name of Jesus be set free get out of here depression get out of spirit of suicide get out of here spirit of darkness somebody by the hand. Pray. Pray. Come on, pray. Come on, singers, join up with each other and pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting right now. Yeah, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, Cornerstone, there's people getting the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, saints of God, there's people getting healings right now. Come on, men of God, would you find somebody and lay hands on them right now? It wasn't just words that you lay hands on the sick. It wasn't just words that they'll speak with new tongues. Uh, it wasn't just words that they'll be healed and delivered. Uh, it was the word of God concerning you. Uh, come on, you need to take authority over depression right now. You need to take authority over the spirit of the Antichrist that's attacking your children right now. God's people, let there be a roar right now. Come on, there's deliverance in this house. Come on, pray with me, prayer warriors. Pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. Come on, healing is flowing in this house right now. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, uh, which is the only way to be baptized, you need to find somebody close to you and tell them, I want my sins remitted. Uh, I want my sins washed away because God uh, is filling people right now and dealing with people and drawing people. Come on, young men, join up with another young man. Come on, young ladies, join up with another young lady. 
Come on, men of God, lay hands on on somebody that's downcast and weary and don't think they can make it another day. And watch God renew their strength. Because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think or pray according to the power of God that's in us today. There's power on the inside of you. There's power. Come on, I need a seasoned saint to stir up that gift right now. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Ah!